so you can hear us okay, Mike. Excellent. You're sitting on a hill somewhere. Yep. <laughs> Actually, I'm sitting on a hill in the parking lot where we have our fundraiser. No. <laughs> Too bad you're not sitting on a hill somewhere where you could be hunting, it sounds like. You're, you haven't gone hunting yet. Uh, no, it's 90-some degrees here, and last couple of years i've heat stroked a couple of the dogs and boy they're never the same after you do that i can't explain why but they're not uh oh, yeah. one it, it's a re- reoccurring problem uh and it isn't like he's a young dog you know and the other one she just they're not the same they can't do what they used to do so i'm being kind of careful because it's in the 90s here now supposed to rain friday though won't be 50 <laughs> You know, we kind of got a rule on this podcast that we don't talk about the weather, but you you tied it to a dog really quick, and I couldn't cut you off. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, <laughs> we, we just want to talk about your dogs, Mike. But you, It's pretty dangerous to run fat dogs in 90-degree weather. <laughs> okay, there you go. You can say it that way. It's pretty dangerous on a fat guy at 90 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. I, I can give testimony to that. Yeah. Well, I I went this morning and I'm I, man, I'm getting old. And I got this hill that I rode See, the we, on and I so I park and I walked up, I walked down it and walked back up it, and I'm like, I'm getting, why? I'm starting <laughs> to feel it walking that hill. I'm like, I am getting way out of shape. I better get myself in check. Buddy's caught the quarantine fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Our legal today is the first day legal to run dogs in the state of Michigan. We have a quiet period uh, from the April 15th to July 8th that we're not allowed to uh, train dogs. So when are you going to get out there? Saturday. Saturday. Supposed to rain Friday, be 58 degrees. I got to drive about 180 miles north to my camp and uh, a bunch of buddies. We all big gang we run together and so saturday morning so, so describe your camp to us like i, I hear that a lot you know uh, well, up up north and in, in, in michigan so so yeah. tell me what a camp is well in the up everybody's got a camp but in the lower some of us do for me a camp is uh my family's had a hundred acres that adjoins thousands of acres of federal land for a long time 50 years maybe and on there, we have a small, we call it a cabin, you know, a couple bedrooms and, and, uh, it's good. It's, it's, the roof don't leak. There's hot waters for showers and it's clean. And, and that's what we call a camp. And we hunt deer there. Last year, we were able, we had a fellow that was a very dear friend of ours, a good houndman. Uh, and we've never run a bear off that hundred acres ever. Uh, and we baited and we had a couple of really nice bears come there and we were able to get that for him and he's since passed. But, uh, that's, I, I'm kind of rambling there, but you asked me about the camp. We've got that hundred acres. I had the opportunity to, uh, put a bait there and not run off it all summer. And, and, uh, of course I couldn't bait there during the summer. There's legalities there. Uh, but we put it there. We got the bear. The guy, the gentleman, uh, is, is was a fine, fine houndsman. 
And uh, well, he had tears in his eyes when he got that nice bear. We were able to tree it in short order and an easy place for him to walk. And it just made it, it just made all of our days. Now, the strange thing is we never run off that bait. I had five bears coming to it. We never run off it. We ran that bear. It just looped about a mile loop and treed right next to a road where he could physically be strong enough to get to it. And uh, no bears ever come back there ever again since that day. And you started that on your your 100 acres? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's never even been any bears there ever since we owned it. It's like they came out of nowhere to come there, and I wouldn't let anybody. I just kept my mouth shut about it, you know, because on days we couldn't find a bear, there'd be people want to come there and run. And we yeah. kept it quiet for him until season. And uh, like I said, he was terminal with cancer. And uh, that one nice bear, not a huge bear, about a 300 pounder, uh, was there. And we put two of my dogs down and one of Dana DeLong's, he's the DeLong family, so I hunt with. And uh, they treated that bear in short order, and he got it. And uh, and it was strange to me. There's never been, and we're hunters. We know if there's any bears around. None of the farmers there have ever seen any bears. And we had five bears there to choose from. And we shot that one that day. Only time we ever bothered that bait, there's never been a bear back to it since. Almost <laughs> like, whoa, somebody That's had wild. a hand in that. Yeah. It was meant to be. So, yeah, it, it sure seems like it. He those... sure deserved it, though. We transferred a license to him, and he's a great guy. Was. And camps out your way, I mean, that's a real common thing. I mean, there's a lot of people that, I mean, have a separate property. I mean, when they go, it's an expedition. You go stay for like a week or a month or three months. It seems like oh, yeah. uh, it's a lot different than out here on the West yeah. Coast. You know, we, I, I would assume yeah. it's because of the public land out here. You know, we just, we don't have to buy a piece of property. You know, we can just go out on the public land. But I've always, I don't know, been enamored with the hunting camp. Like that movie, gosh, what was the name of it? Escanaba in the Moonlight is like one of my uh, my guilty pleasures. You know, that's a great oh, yeah. comedy. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard I hurt. Right? And it's like, you yeah. know, the, the soda, soda deer camp and the stories of that. I think it's pretty cool. Have you ever seen that one, buddy? Negative. You got to watch it. I feel like the kids got left out. If, if you don't laugh at that, you better check your pulse. Yeah, there's something wrong with you. I don't funny. think it's funny. Is it is it is it kid appropriate? No, probably not. I, I don't think it's that no. bad if I remember right. But then again, I forget a lot of things when it comes to being appropriate well, for children. I, yeah. I I I would say there's some adult things in there that a kid would never get. Kind of like the old Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons. They have mm-hmm. things in them that a kid would go right over their head. There's there's really no foul language, no sex, no nudity, or anything like that in it. Okay. Well, that, that I probably could pass. That. Brad'd be okay. You're good. Yo, Matt was telling me. I don't know, yeah. Mike. You, you, who, who is this crazy leopard tiger guy, the Tiger King? And uh, I was getting text blown up. You gotta watch this Tiger King. You know. And and uh, my wife Laura got a you know same thing. She's getting people texting her. So she's like, you know, I just asked my my butt Matt. And I said, was well, it, it? Can Bradley 
you know, can Bradley watch it? You know, Bradley and my daughter, Tyler, because I, I don't know. And and he's like, that's a hard no. <laughs> capital N, capital O, exclamation. Right. And here's my wife going like, oh, we got to try this Tiger King thing. Everybody's telling me we've got to watch it. And I'm like, uh, I just checked with Matt and he's like, that's a no go with the kids. So, so that's why I've got to ask because I might be able to I might be able to squeeze that in the afternoon TV episode. You know. Now, that was our uh, beginning of deer season tradition with one of my old hunting partners is we'd all get together and watch it before opening day of deer season so you what's should, it called it's called escanaba in the moonlight i don't even know if it's in the i think it's in the moonlight da but all right, it, all right. it centers around the buckless youper he's a youper that has never gotten a buck and the whole town shuns him even the kids on the school bus turn away when he drives by it's funny it, <laughs> I'll, I'll put that funny. on my list. It sounds like I have to watch that one. I'll, I'll have to educate myself. Now that I took us down a rabbit hole and got us totally off track in the first ten minutes. Yeah, we are so <laughs> far from hounds and hunting, but yeah, it's about a camp. Uh, we don't uh, for bears and coyotes up north. We're all on public land for the most part, federal land. Uh, down in southern Michigan, where we hunt coyotes a lot, that's one hundred percent private land. Uh, and we're always politically um, fighting to, we have the right to free cast our dogs. And what all that means is our dogs can pursue game where it leads them without being guilty of trespass. And that's something we defend and rigorously, very vigorously here in Michigan. So for those people who don't know who we're talking to, we're talking to Mike Thorman. And, and Mike, you're you know i know you're 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 kind of a big deal over there in michigan uh i don't know but i'm big around i know that <laughs> you know michigan federation of uh hunting dogs is that uh, is that your group i mean you're you're kind of in all of them yeah michigan hunting dog federation yeah yeah how that works is the hunting dog federation uh represents all dog owners i mean from the dog show people if you got a dog we represent in Lansing, we're your voice. But predominantly, I speak on behalf of the Michigan Bear Hunters, the UP Bear Houndsmen, Michigan State United Coon Hunters, Michigan State Fox Hunters, 54 different organizations, I think, belong to the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation. And uh, we don't do swims or trials or shows or anything. We're strictly, uh, I don't know how to say it, we're a lobbyist group. We monitor every piece of legislation. Uh, we have a, 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 a relationship with all different types of sportsmen's clubs, not just hound people and those connections. Uh, we do have an association with a paid lobbyist that bird dogs the legislation for us. Oh, Mike, they're, they're, getting a, they're talking about introducing this legislation. That would be Senator Daly. You want to get into his office as soon as possible. Because what I've observed, I've been at this about 24 years, and what I've observed is the paid guns, the paid lobbyists, they can't speak for you because they don't know. They, they, they just, only a houndsman can talk about a houndsman treeing a cat or a bear or running a coyote. Uh, Somebody that doesn't know that can't effectively answer the questions that'll be in a Senate or a House hearing. That's what we do. We monitor that legislation and we get over there and 
and uh, work on it. Yeah, it's like that. Quite that uh, you know that game where you uh, you pass the message, you know, and you pass the message to somebody, and you pass the message to yeah. somebody. You're like, yeah. oh, Mike Lorman said hunting dogs are no good. That's what he said. Exactly. No, yeah. we uh, we have been quite successful at uh, having a good deal of influence within our DNR and our legislature uh, here in the state of Michigan. And we owe that, uh, you know, it started out with Steve Fielder and a, a fellow named Dr. Al Stinson. He was um, professor of veterinary medicine at Michigan State University. Those are excellent credentials to take into your animal cruelty hearings, you know. And, uh, and, and I just followed them around for a long time learned how you do it because there's there's some method to doing it you know gotta learn how yeah it's, like it's, anything it's else. kind of scary at first because i've done a little bit and it's honestly uh -huh. it's real yeah. scary to step out but once you get mm -hmm. to to meet those people and you know there's there is definitely and i i i can only speak for myself but there are people that you're wasting your time with i mean ha absolutely they they don't care you know but then there's some real people yeah. like you said, that ju they just don't understand it. And when you sit down and you talk to them and you explain it, it's, it, it's helpful for them to just listen and they do want to understand. And, and, you know, so sitting back and just complaining, which is what I used to do, didn't do any good. No. And there's, there's some little things. I know you and I've talked about this. Uh, when I first went over there, I showed up in a nice pair of jeans and a sweater, and I thought I was good to go. And uh, Dr. Simpson, Steve Fielder said, "Look around the look around the Capitol building here, Mike. Anybody in blue jeans?" Uh, and it shouldn't be, but it is. You want to, you must approach if you're going to be successful in the legislature. You want to be on the same level of the people you're talking to. So you put on your coat, your jacket, and the dress pants, and the tie, you know, and you try to elevate. Uh, we we don't seem to be very successful with the Ted Nugent approach here in <laughs> Michigan. We got to go in, and uh, and and Ted, boy, he's okay. Some things we agree with, some things we don't. But uh, you go in and you try to explain that uh, you make a name for yourself. That if you, they got a question, they can call you, and you'll give them an honest answer. You know, and you got to be honest. You got to have your ducks in a row because the first time you tell them something that they find out isn't exactly true, then everything you ever say after that is suspect. But once you gain that reputation, and I know you're doing it there, buddy, once you gain that reputation, you can really make some progress on behalf of the hound hunters. I think more people, one of the things you, you said, this is years ago when I was down there in Michigan uh, visiting, you said, uh, if you go ask, for, if you go ask a farmer for, for permission on, on their property, yeah. do you wear a suit and tie to go ask that farmer again? And what do you think that farmer's going to say? He's going like, to kick you off that property. Like, get out of here. Dress for but, the occasion. Exactly. You, you need to dress yeah. you know, like a farmer or like a country boy, because that's who they're going to relate to. And, and when you go up to, to your capital, you don't want to dress like a farmer, you know, uh, you want to dress like they can relate to you because it's human nature to relate. 
find somebody with an open ear in that position that can make these changes or at least you know lend credibility i know mike and i've talked about it several times buddy i'll be honest with you when mike calls we do a little bs and beyond ordering so don't be too mad hard to believe isn't it right yeah we get on the phone and can't stop but like him and i have talked about and i know buddy and i have several times is you don't want our message to be on deaf ears you know there is a group of people that flat out it doesn't matter what we say what kind of you know supporting documentation we have or anything they don't care and they're never going to change your point of view where you know mike with what you're doing and buddy anybody who's involved in this and and can keep that open ear listening we're just building credibility to our traditions and to our sport and our ways of life. So it's a, it's a really big deal to not do anything to offset that relationship, you know, down to the dress, your demeanor. It, it's pretty, right. it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's not like you just walk into a meeting and I got a lot of respect, you know, Mike, especially you've been involved in this for so long. It's, it's nice to hear and it's cool to see people across the u.s starting to to realize that that you don't want to waste your breath in the wrong place let's focus it where we can get something done everybody seems to they get very nervous with that term senator representative in front of the name and and i found that the vast majority of them people are guys just like you and i you know uh just normal men and you just got to go in there and be a normal guy. One of the things we've done here in Michigan that's been extremely successful for us is take people out during training season and tree a bear or take them on a coyote hunt or whatever, but get take them out and show them what it really is like. And if I can, I'll try one successful thing. Um, a lot of times we have trouble with uh, Democratic um, side of the aisle uh, with animal rights things. They seem to be way more predisposed to be on board with the animal rights people. And uh, so we took three Democratic legislators out and we treat a bear. And I won't go into a lot of detail or anything, but they they just were awestruck, you know? And well, of course, my crew. Let's go into the detail of that. Let's let's hear your. Let's talk about how you how that hunt went. Well, well, you know they they were supposed hunters, you know. Um, we took them out and I treed the bear, uh, two hundred yards off the main road for crying out loud, and we're walking in there. And they were pretty nervous, and one asked me, Mike, do we have to be careful or afraid of the other animals? We're getting a long way back in here. And I said, no, no, you're okay. Just reassured them, you know, didn't laugh at them or nothing. And uh, we had the bear in the tree and we had an outdoor uh, photographer, Gabe Bemormer, uh, worked for Michigan uh, Michigan Outdoors, still does. And he was filming it, filming, filming it. And uh, politicians always like to be on TV. So anyway, they... They just couldn't understand it. We have a seat on the front of the truck where we ride and look for bear tracks. And uh, they wanted to know if they could sit on the seat. And at our bear trees, you're going to have grandmothers, grandfathers, girlfriends, and Daisy Dukes and flip-flops, uh, babies, literally baby babies, and everything. And so... We showed them these are what are these holes along these two tracks? Those are badger holes. 
badgers do. Oh, well, are they going to come out and bite us? No, no, they're not. So we spent a whole day there. We made a beautiful lunch on the tailgate with a tablecloth and uh, along the Asaba River, which is a beautiful, pristine river here in Michigan. And uh, at the end of the day, they said to me, they go, Mike, this isn't anything what we expected. And uh, I said, really? What'd you expect? They said, well, we were training bear dogs. We expected to see you training dogs to rip bears to shreds. And, uh, and I let, they said, Ted, we see families, the whole family crammed in the truck, children and girlfriends and everything else. And we didn't expect to see that. Now, so we showed them the reality of what hound hunting can be like and what it can be a family affair. Uh, of course, we were careful. But how that's paid off to this day, if I see one of them in the halls in Lansing, Mike, hey, how's it going? You got any more bears? Well, I'd like to go again and bring my grandson. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. You let us know. If there's anything I can do for you over here, Mike, you let me know. And uh, it, it really pays off to invest that time like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's really, example. I think it's really important that we tell our story and don't let somebody tell our story for us because just like you said, oh, yeah. nobody knows even the lobbyists that you pay to represent you. They still don't tell our story, right? They still, they still mess it up. You no. know, they're good because they, that's what they do and they know what to watch huh? and all that. But, but they don't, they don't know the story They they can only, you know, they, they try to, but they're part of the, the, the lobbyists we're involved with. He never gives any testimony on our behalf. He just yeah. lets me know what's going on and makes an appointment to see this guy or see that guy. Speak for ourselves. That's the way to do it. Yeah, because I've seen lobbyists, um, you know, like Hunter's Heritage in, in Washington. Um, and I don't know if I've seen him, but I've just seen times where I watched a lobbyist give a presentation and I'm like, boy, and it doesn't mean about dogs. It could be about hunting or whatever, or whatever issue yeah. it is. And you can just tell that they're, they're, you know, they're doing their job and they're doing their job. They're trying to do their job. Good. I don't think That's they're trying they to do can. bad, but they are not compelling. You know what I mean? They're not changing any, you know, any, any opinions because they're not passionate about it. Yeah, yeah. you're right. And, and that comes through in your testimony, you know, and you can throw in the little things that are involved with hunting. You know, the other things you see, the great things that don't have anything to do with chasing something with your dog. You know, uh, it's it's that whole story of being a conservationist, really, because I find houndsmen, for the most part, are great conservationists. I know myself, boy, when I was a younger man. I was a body count son of a gun uh, to the extreme. And uh, once I started running these hounds more, my uncle had them and I'd go coon hunting with him. And there was a guy's head, there was an orchard behind my house, small orchard, two coon hunters that I, I, I knew them. You know, they were adults. I was just a little kid and they'd pay me 50 cents to lay a drag around this section. And, uh, Boy, I loved them dogs. I knew I knew I loved them dogs. I always did. So when I got out of college and uh, I started in on hounds, and once you start in on hounds, the kill is irrelevant. Now, me, personally, I never killed a bear. I don't really 
any need for me to kill bears. Has there been bears killed with my dogs under the tree? Absolutely. Well, the more the merrier. I don't care. Uh, but although we're pretty, pretty strict on what we allow to be killed. Yeah. Uh, we don't kill sows. We don't kill little ones. So anyway, uh, the point is, it, it, it's about the dogs. People say, well, Mike, you got a 10 hounds. Good Lord. What do you mean you don't never kill the bear? I said, well, I've never felt the need to. Uh, I'm old. I've killed a hell of a lot of things. I've trapped a hell of a lot of things. And, and to me, it's about the dogs. They go, well, why do you do this? And I said, listen, some of them young guys are always going to beat a 73-year-old at the tree. And they're going to get on the radio and talk to some of the other old guys in the truck. Hey, he's got the meat up the tree. Oh, cool. How many dogs are there? There's six dogs there. Six dogs. Oh, wow. Which dogs are there? Well, four of them are mics. There's the question. <laughs> There's the answer why I chase bears with my friend. Because I was a football coach, a baseball coach, and I never lost that competitiveness. And and I like that. I like to raise dogs that don't embarrass me anymore and they have to. That can be hard. Hard. I, that can be hard sometimes. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So you didn't start with hounds until after college, right? Right. Like no exposure at all prior to that, or like family members, or. Oh no! I hunted. I had an uncle with coon hounds, and I hunted with him a lot. He'd take me from when I was a little kid. He and I'd go hunting, uh, coon hunting, and then I had those guys behind my house. They had all them hounds. I always liked them. We always had dogs, but dad wasn't a houndsman. He was a deer hunter and a bird hunter. And uh, so we never had hounds. So um, as soon as I got out of college, uh, where I could live in the country and have hounds, my brother and I started in. And uh, I've been going. They, uh, it changes you. It absolutely changed from coon, and and now you do bear and coyote, right? Yeah, same dogs. Occasionally, we'll run cat. Same dogs. I have people call me a liar that say, "Oh, if you run coyotes with them dogs, if they're any damn good, they're going to run coyotes when you're hunting bears." And I can tell you straight to your face, all the years I've been chasing bears, which hasn't been that long, only since 1995. So it's not that long because I was a football coach and you're practicing when it's training season and you just can't go bear hunting. You can't take off and tell the team you play these games by yourself. You know, I had to wait till I quit coaching football to, to get into the bears. So anyway, I never, ever, ever let them run a coyote on bear ground. Never. From the time they're born. Never. They only are allowed to run coyotes on snow. That might sound stupid, but then when I take them out in bear season, I I try to find a really good track, a lot of scent in one, you know, mm-hmm. and I call it switching them over. The young dogs will actually uh, wait for a crossing or something. And in all my years of doing that, I've only had three times of chasing coyotes. And two of them, uh, my dogs cut pretty good. If they can hear other dogs within a mile or They'll go to them. And twice I cut dogs into a coyote race. So that was my bad. And then the other time I put them on a really bad bear track full of water and the road is raining and 
they were picking it up through there and they come to a another uh, like a four-wheeler track that we have a lot of them in our woods where we hunt uh, federal designated four-wheeler paths and they couldn't get it off that four-wheeler path and that coyote come in right to them and started barking at them it was more than they could stand i didn't blame them a bit <laughs> but it took me four roads to get in front of them so but but that's not bad because i've had a hell of a lot of homes and a hell of a lot of running and uh they, it, it, people tell me i'm full of crap but i'm not i uh you can do that if if you do it right. You pay attention. So have your dogs changed oh. from from the beginning? Like, what did you start with? And yeah. How do you right. hunt now? What? I I started with a pure running hounds. Uh, the running hound people know is liquor bred and uh, picket bred, and uh, we had those. And back in the day, there in the seventies. When uh, box were worth about sixty-five bucks a piece around here, and I was teaching school for six thousand dollars a year before taxes, and uh, they had a rule. The crew I fell in with uh, had a rule that the first dog to the dead fox, the guy that shot it got half, and the first dog there got half. And oh my, they were using just mixed-up coonhounds and stuff. I had this running dog, and why? I thought, wow, what a deal. I had a dog named Moon, and she wouldn't run a track that was 20 minutes old. But by God, once she got one jump, she could lay it to it. And she was, I'm, wow, I make $60, $80 on a Saturday. That was really something for a guy making $6,000 a year. <laughs> and then I moved, I, I moved up here and met a, famous hound man in this part of the state. He was a red bone man named Tom Schutz. In fact, we give the Tom Schutz Memorial Award at our banquet every year to a senior hunter that's done everything right, straight up, you know. Tom's won some world championships and stuff with his red bones. So anyway, Tom had a dog and uh, a cold trail dog. And he and I went out and uh, we found a track in the road. It was blowing. Now, I don't know if you want to hear this kind of stuff or not. Oh, but yeah. Most you definitely. have to tell my dog. Old Tom, that, that jack dog, I didn't hunt bears back then. We were just fox. There was no coyotes at all. And uh, we just hunted fox. Old Tom and I would lay out all night on a hill listening to them dogs run. And uh, he had that dog named Jack. That was the smartest dog I'd ever seen. Well, now it's winter time. It was blowing, snowing like crazy, and we could see a track across the road, but we couldn't see it out in the field. And he's getting the door open the box. They go, what are you going to do? That track it disappears, blow it out. Ah, oh, Jack will jump that box. I said, all right. So he got Jack out and let him step the track in the road there, let him go, and that dog went with his head like a snow plow through the snow down in the swamp about a half a mile and jumped that box. I said, that's it. That's what I want. That That's the hell with this fast running thing. That's the dog I want right there. And uh, that was 45 years ago, 50 years ago. And every dog, all 10 of my dogs can trace back to that dog. I've line bred that all through the years, being very careful of body type and stuff. And uh, they're dogs that will walk and straddle if they have to, 
but pick up their head and run downwind of the track when they can. And that's what I look for. What, what color are you doing? What oh, they're walkers. People say, what kind of dogs do you have? I go inbred mutts. <laughs> uh, they're walkers. I, I thought you, in the beginning, was he, I thought you said he was a red bone guy. Tom Schutz was a red bone guy, but he had a running walker. Copy. If the, the old time running walker people reckon, recognize the name uh, Yazoo Tom Chuck was, if you look way back in the pedigrees, Yazoo Tom Chuck was everywhere. Yeah. And this dog was out of Yazoo Tom Chuck. And no, Jack, he was quite a dog. Tom worked second shift at Chrysler's, and uh, we'd be fox hunting. We might be 10, 15 miles from home. And, uh, well, it's 1 o'clock. I got to go. I work second shift. I got to get out of here. So I'll stay around catch Jack. Oh, don't worry about Jack. He'll be home when I get home tonight. By God, that dog would home from anywhere. From anywhere. Oh, it was a great dog. And and I think anymore when I look at dogs, I really care about feet. I really care about street legs, straight legs. And I want that narrow chest with that long, deep, uh, rib cage, you know, that's, and, uh, I look for that, but the older I get, the more I pay attention to just being intelligent really, and, and making sure I, 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 I try to pick the dogs to carry the line that have all the qualities, but are also intelligent. Things. So, so I, let's dive into that for a second. When, when do you pick your, your props? Uh, you know, when do you know the dog is, is going to, you're going to keep it? When I have a litter, I wait five months. And we have uh, some coyote training pens here. And I'll take them all, the whole litter. I keep the whole litter. And I'll, I'll take them to that pen and two trips maybe to the pen. And they, I'll pick my pups after that second trip. Because, uh, I don't want dogs. I got to wait to be two years old before they figured out. I want dogs on the first or second trip are running coyotes, yeah. hammering coyotes. And uh, so I'll pick mine out of the litter and then uh, spread the rest around the countryside to fellows that want them. Occasionally sell one, but not very often. Right on. I, I want to carry this line. Like I said, I've had this line for a long time. And if I started selling them, uh, I, I make the deal. I'll give you this pup, but if I ever need for breeding, you gotta allow me to breed to it. That, that's how I work so you, that. Deal. So you're telling us you're making. You're telling me that you're making more than six thousand dollars a year now. A little more than six thousand a year now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm retired. Hell, I've been retired for fifteen years. Uh, yeah, but I'm still making more. Box than prices aren't still that high, right? <laughs> no, no, they're everything's worthless, <laughs> especially here in Michigan. Not with our homes. Because of all the deer seasons, uh, we can't get out. Even up north on the public ground, we can't get out. It's legal to hunt from today forward to the 15th of April now. Legal to hunt coyotes with your hound. But in all practical purposes. Do they shut that down? Like out here, we used to have you know a closed season from what was it, buddy? I think April 15th through August because of bird nesting season? Is it like similar your way? Like what's the reasoning behind the closure? Yeah. When you talk to biologists, there's actually no scientific reason. It's just the perception of the public that there's babies out there and 
we shouldn't have dogs running around. Mm-hmm. But as us bear hunters, they were going to, they, the DNR asked me, Mike, we're going to allow coyotes being shot year round. Are you going to want to run dogs during that April 15th to July 9th on coyotes? And, uh, I, I said, no, we won't fight with you about that. You know, really pick your battles carefully, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, pretty hot that time of year. The, some of us bear hunters were a little concerned about the cubs coming out of the den for the first time. We got so damn few bears in places. Others, we have several, lots of them. But uh, we decided that uh, public image, we get more out of public image and not not, not going to run the dogs those three months. A lot of what we do is for public image, you know. Right. So what's your uh, so what's your cat? Is it one of them? Is either Wisconsin or or Michigan has a really hard draw on a cat on bobcats. What what, what is it? Like we don't a have a draw. You can buy it over the over the counter. Uh, you're allowed one cat per year per man. But in the UP, we lost this fight. We uh, the DNR actually lost it. The DNR wanted it statewide one cat per man, per year. But the trappers uh, had some friends on our Natural Resources Committee, and they got it that they could take a second cat in the UP on private land only. And, uh, well, that's ridiculous. Once that cat's in the pickup, how the hell do you know where that was taken? You know? Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, so we don't have many cats. Our cats are down, down, down. Where we hunt coyotes up there, uh, we see cats all the time. And then now and then I just put the dogs, the dogs seem to be able to run them things like crazy. Like they're, they must smell a lot because anytime I've got a dog out and hits them up on one, they run the hell out of it. But anyway, they, yeah, uh, buddy, cats are easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we need to go have a mic. I can't keep my dogs off the coyotes, but. <laughs> you can't keep the coyotes off your dogs. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Did you hear that, Mike? I, I don't know if you heard. Uh, it was like last week or something. Yeah, I heard that. For <laughs> <laughs> Della. But here's the deal. I say that it depends on what cover you're running them in. Now, when they get down in the blowdowns along the river and screw down tight, it takes a good dog. Mm-hmm. But if they're out in the jack pines hunting rabbits, it's it's pretty easy for a dog. Really, they don't have that ability to screw down like that. And that's another thing I look for in dogs. I want dogs to be able to screw down as tight as it can possibly screw down. And the dogs keep it straight and come out with it. That's a quality. I won't keep a dog that can't do that. Yeah. So what, um, what habit, so what, what is the country? I've I've never, I I drove over there. I went to your, I not drove, but I I flew over there. I went to you guys. Yeah. yeah. it It was north of Traverse City or whatever, but. What's it in Gaylord? Yeah. You know, if, if you if I was to go over there, what what kind of gear are you gonna tell me to bring? I mean, like, what what am I gonna be walking through? What kind of habitat terrain? Well, that varies quite a bit through northern Michigan. A lot. It really varies a lot. Where I hunt bears along the Asabo River, there's some swamps, a lot of swamps, a lot of blowdowns, uh, places where the tornadoes have touched down and. I, What's I guess tornado? I just didn't appropriate to say that. 
and oh, and wiped out Cedar for a half a mile. Mm-hmm. So when and, you say swamps, how, how, how deep? Down. So how deep are them? Or how deep are the swamps? I hear I hear swamps a lot, and so um, yeah, I'm well, guessing it'd be different, like the south. Right, the southern swamps, like in the south, are they the same or is it a different? Is it shallow? I mean, describe a swamp, like how how wet in my feet. Or how, how up here, usually when you're talking, well, there's the UP swamps and there's the Lower Michigan swamps. The Lower Michigan swamps are going to be in a low area, cedar, or you know, water, but not like southern swamps. You know, uh, you'll cross this some springs, some water, some beaver floods down in there, but they're not real big, not real big. Now you get to the UP where Joe Hudson hunts, holy cow, it'll take you half an hour to get around the outside on the paved road to get to the other end of the thing. There's some big wet swamps up where Joe hunts. He hunts some real rough country. You better have dogs on the ball to keep up up there. So they're in the water half the time and uh, they're thick. Where I hunt, there's a lot of jack pines. Jack pines, jack pines, jack pines. And then it'll morph into some mixed deciduous and pine trees. Get down by the river. It's a cedar swamp. Uh, if you're coming in the winter, you should probably have snowshoes. And other than that, that that's about what it is. It's mixed country. Up by Gaylord, uh, uh, where the Huffs are from and them guys, they they have hardwoods and high rolling hills but then it'll come down and there'll be a cedar swamp if you know what I you gotta know what a cedar swamp is they must have them everywhere thick kind of wet but not anything like a southern swamp not near as big either in lower Michigan yeah that's the best I can say upper Michigan's got some real some real big country you know hmm. uh, I, you just hear that a First lot, you know, swamps, and, and so I wanted to get a, a kind of a visual of of what, you know. Well, there's some swamps up there that are wet, like southern swamps. If your dog goes in there, it might be a couple days coming back out, and you can't get in there to get them. And uh, the first time, my dog, I, one of the very first times I went to the UP at the swamp up there, a lot of people don't like to hunt there, but them wild guys I hunt with, they'd hunt anything. I'm just way more conservative than them kids are. But anyway, I had the beeper and I was standing on the dog box and the dogs went off the beeper in that swamp. It took me like four hours to drive around the damn swamp. There's some big swamps up there and they're nasty. My grandpa used to say you can stand up and take a drink in some of them places. And there is a lot of water in them up there. No alligators, at least. Like you're, that's kind of nice. I'm no sure. gators, no poisonous snakes, none of that crap. No, none of that crap. So just badgers, uh, just badgers jumping out of holes at you. Yeah, attacking people. Yeah, gotta watch the badgers. Quite a few badgers. Uh, but where I hunt in in northern lower, uh, it's almost like a park compared to where Joe hunts. It's pretty easy. It is crazy the difference between, you know, Lower Michigan and the and the UP for sure. Like that is such a dynamic change from one end to the other. It, unless you've seen it, it's kind of crazy. Michigan's a pretty big state. You can drive a long time. It mm-hmm. takes me. I'm a pretty hard driver. It takes me about eight hours to get to Joe's house. I could drive to 
a lot of, I could drive to New York in eight hours for Christ's sakes right. from Michigan. It's so it's big country up there. Now yeah. the wolves, a lot of us don't go back up there anymore because of them damn wolves. They're killing dogs. Yeah, that's rough. Sooner or later, those got to come off the endangered species list. Hopefully. <laughs> so you're you're hunting your same dogs on both pieces of game, on bear and on, on coyote, but you're coyote. starting them in the coyote Absolutely. pen. So how do you wait for a dog? I guess is it more of a question of size? I wait till it snows. Or I wait till ready? it snows in that coyote pen. Oh, okay. Uh, they don't – I try to plan my litters so – they're going to be born more when it'll be snow when it's time to take them in there. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Oh yeah. I want them. I want them to actually. I want them to hunt coyotes. I generally don't take them uh, till they're a year and a half on bears. I want them to have some. We'll just call it experience. Yes, sir. Uh, not necessarily tracking experience, but I think mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so why do you, uh, on the bears, you wait for a year and a half just because they're mature? Or? Yeah, well, well. So they can handle themselves? I want them to have some experience of uh, coming face-to-face with critters that'll bite them and hit them, let them learn. A, some education. Learn the trade a little bit. The ducking and dodging they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. So do you got any good stories that you, when you get when you get drunk around a campfire, what what, what story comes out? I tell the story, everybody thinks I'm a liar, but it's the truth. <laughs> We're running down here. Those are the best kind right there. About two miles from where I'm sitting here right now. And and the run the run dogs down here where I live, you can't have one ounce of anything but completely deer proof. Uh, this winter we were running, the dogs were cold trailing in a 40-acre brushy little woods. 110 deer come out across the south road. Holy Christ. You know, and a dog really has to know his business to get in there and jump a coyote and that stuff. And uh, so people are always griping because a lot of times when you're on coyotes, there's a lot of open fields down here and stuff. You can watch what's going on. The deer will come running out before the coyote. Then the coyote will come out and run right where the deer went, you know? Right. And, uh, so people say, your dogs are running deer, your dogs are running deer. Well, okay, I set the stage for this story. We're over where there's not a tree for three miles. And we jumped this coyote off a jam pile out in the middle of the section along a river. And uh, the thing took off running. And we picked up some deer when they went through a grass field. And we're looking and we go, oh, my God, there's eight deer, three dogs, and a coyote. And the dogs and the deer are running right together like a pack for three miles across two roads. And, and and finally, it was unbelievable. I mean, they were within four feet of each other. They were all running right together. And the, the coyote, there was a little posty stamp woods before the fourth road. And the coyote ran in there. And the dogs piled right in. The deer all just slammed on the brakes with their ears up, you know, tilted in there. They stood there like, that for 30 seconds then they piled into that little woods and and that people say what kind you expect me to believe that that is the god's honest truth i never saw such a thing them deer were just going to chase that coyote right with them dogs (laughs) and it wasn't for no short thing 
across two roads doing it. So, wow, that's pretty. I, I don't know. I know when I was a kid. When I was a kid, and I trapped fox a lot. If you had a drag on, boy, the deer would be around them fox trying to just stomp them, just chase them around. So I don't know. Maybe they. I don't know what it was, but I'm telling you, that's the God's honest truth the way it happened. You're yep, a liar, it's one of them. <laughs> no, I'm not a liar. <laughs> if you lie about your dogs, if you lie about your dogs, then you take them out. They'll make a fool and a liar out of you in a hell of a hurry. Uh, you can't bear. You better be telling the truth. And that goes right back to politics. You don't yeah. want to lie over there. They yeah. ask you, you don't want to make something up and you don't want to embellish. You got to tell them just the way it is exactly. And when you build that reputation, if that guy tells it like it is, then they start calling you, calling you. Mike, we got a question. We were talking, we're in caucus here. And and they know you'll give them a straight answer the best you can. Or you'll say, God, I, I don't know that answer. You know, mm-hmm. I can find out. But that's important. Yeah. That's important in politics. Oh, yeah. I think it's so, important in dogs, You wouldn't too. think so, but it is. Yeah. Yeah, honesty yeah. is important in politics. Weird. weird. <laughs> yeah. From when you're, if you want in and you want to be heard and you want to be recognized, you have to develop the reputation that you're a straight shooter. You tell it like you see it. You got to have some facts to back yourself up. You just can't give opinions. But the most important thing is they, when they tell you something that they probably should tell you, it, you can never let it come back and bite them in the ass mm-hmm, yeah. ever. Uh, and, and, and you get that reputation uh, you can trust, you can be trusted to know things that you shouldn't know. But the greatest thing is, is knowledge is power in politics. And when you know those things, yeah, well, how do you know that? Well, I just know it. And uh, Bertie told me. I, we're going to lose. Eventually, we're going to be out. My goal is, I could coast, but my goal is to leave, leave a mark, you know? Fight these in us. It's a humane society, of the United States, and they're in here strong. And we got some politicians tied right into them, including our uh, attorney general and our governor. So we, yeah. you, you got to have your sword drawn at all times. As, as you're talking, Mike, I'm filling out a, a PDR request for anybody that doesn't know what that is. It's a, like a public document request, and and especially because I I got a piece of information that something's not right and it's like "Ah, i'm gonna go look at that you know but the same thing is like you hear this somebody gives you a little bit of information but you can't you got to be careful with it you know uh and you have to be careful and so it's like yeah it's like a gun you got to be real careful how you draw it and use it yeah yeah when you draw it and how you use it yeah yeah and and uh tricky i don't you know like i said last thing i wanted to do was fill out a you know, because you put your name on it, and that that sucks. That's the hard part. Is is sometimes you step in it, and you're like, man, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to. But if you don't do it, um, sometimes it, when you get more involved, you'll learn when there's time to slam your fist on the table and make a wave, and there's other times to back off. But what you want to be careful of is not burn your bridges. I don't care what state you're in. Don't yeah. burn your bridges with your DNR. 
don't burn your bridges with your legislature. Uh, we've got one really pro-hunter legislator here, and we've disagreed fiercely with him on some issues. Mm-hmm. But he might be your very best friend on the next issue. So you do not burn those bridges. Yeah, exactly. That's a fatal mistake. And I, when you were in Wisconsin a few years ago and we were trying to get states organized, I was astounded by the states that aren't organized. And, yeah. and I think they're getting picked on pretty good right now. Yeah, so. we, we have. Then, well, I mean, I guess we started that with National Hound and Tree Dog Association. And I know you asked me about it. So I'll uh, I'm gonna give a short little update on that. There is. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but, but anybody that was kind of following that, uh, we still have the, the, you know, all these, these associations, you know, board members yourself, uh, CHC has a seat or, or OESDA has a seat. Um, and, uh, there is an account with some money in it. N- nothing's been spent. There's not a yeah. dime that's gone out of that account that, that anybody that has put money in that, any association that's put money in that, it hasn't gone nowhere. You know, so I, I want to make sure that people do understand that. Um, it's the war chest. Yeah, it's a war chest. I it's wish it would still be working. It, it still is. It's, it's like a, a lot crock slower. pot. It's working slowly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyways, every once in a while, I get some people that ask about it, and and you know, it's yeah. almost like it's almost like they're nervous, and it's like, well, that account, I don't even. We're not putting it's a lot just, of money in it, but but there is a good it's chunk. It's like in a there. little savings account, an yeah. emergency fund. It's there. Hopefully they, uh, to use it. Hopefully, but I don't know. We <laughs> had uh, the new state head of the Humane Society of the United States uh, come to our, there's a bear forum, and that is uh, all 20 stakeholders, and they, the DNR asks us the meetings and opinions and where directions we want to go and do and stuff. And uh, the head of the uh, Humane Society of the United States, I'm here in Michigan, demanded a seat on there. Our DNR declined, thankfully. Uh, but they told her she could come read a statement if she wanted. And she read about a four-page statement um, that they've done all the polling in Michigan, and 85% of the people think that hounding is cruel, barbaric, unnecessary, unsportsmanlike, all, blah, 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 blah. Polls are where you take them, you know. If you took right. that poll in the city of Ann Arbor, I believe them. But it is a fact that across the United States, only 6% of the population identifies themselves as hunters. That's scary. Mm-hmm. But that is a fact. Yeah. And uh, we, we hound guys, you know, they tell me all the time, oh, they'll never take my right to run them hounds away. I'm going to run them out. Well, as soon as they take your pickup away because you're running hounds, you're going to be you're going to be thinking twice. You know they can do that. We beat. They tried to do that here in Michigan. That if your dog trespassed, you were trespassing. The first fine was twelve hundred dollars. Lost the license for three years and loss of any equipment connected with the hunt, which included your truck or if you had a camper, your camper, your trailer, anything you had was forfeited on the first offense. 
and we uh, we had to defeat that. But that had put an end to hound hunting. As soon as it, I can't speak for the western states, but here our federal ground and our state ground is checkerboarded with private land. There might be two miles of federal, then a 40, another mile and an 80. You know, it's checkerboarded. And as soon as they make the law that if your dog trespasses, you're guilty of trespass, hound hunting in Michigan, for all intents and purposes, will be done. So on that checkerboard, are there houses there or, you know, farms, houses, camps? Camps, houses, farms, yeah. In northern Michigan. Are most people, um, I mean, is there a lot of conflict there? Or are most people understanding? It, it kind of depends on how you handle it, buddy. Uh, there, there are people that somebody object. Uh, we don't want you hunting bears here. We don't want you hunting coyotes here. And and some people, rather than apologize and say, I certainly didn't want them here, you know, yeah, we understand you're the owner. This is your land. It's perfectly your right. We we don't intend to be here. I'll just get my dogs and get out of here. Lots of times that works. And a lot of times they'll say, well, oh, this guy's not bad. We'll let him on here. Uh, we've experienced that. Uh, a guy owned 12 acres. And uh, who was with us? Uh, Cody. Uh, I mean, uh, oh, Bear Hunt Magazine. He was uh, making a video. Uh, say his oh, name Clay, for Clay crying Newcomb, out loud. Newcomb. Clay, Newcomb. Clay Newcomb was making a video. And uh, we drove in there. That guy was livid. You damn hound hunters, you come in the middle of the night, you come and nobody ever asked. They drive around, blah, 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 blah. I explained who we were. We went to the door, who I was what we were doing, and he let us go. Then I went back later. Uh, Clay um, produced a really nice video. I don't know if you've ever looked at it or seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, some of that was on that man's land. So when I went back in the winter, I took him two or three Hunting Dog Federation half because he's kind of in a key place. I know he don't own much land, but the bears end up there a lot. And uh, a couple of hats and a video, you know, and uh, and I'm welcome to go there anytime I want, you know, but it's how you handle those things. Now, listen, I can tell you, and I've said this publicly before, I was raised probably by the worst pack of trespassers that ever lived. They came home from World War II and they didn't give a damn where they went. They were on. If they wanted to go there and hunt, they went there and hunted. I think one of the first things I ever learned in hunting is run, Mike, run. So they, uh, yeah, well, they were, they, they, they just, it astounds me. They never got in trouble, but anyway, uh, times have changed. And if we don't change with them, we're going to be out the door. Our approach to landowners can't be shut up and get back in the barn. Our approach has got to be apologetic. And people think that, well, you sissy and you're sucking up to the anti Hey, nobody sucks up to the anti-hunters any less than me. I'll tell you that right now. But there's a time to be smart. And uh, you got to be smart. you got to be intelligent on how you handle yourself. If I see a guy out with his hands on his hips and we're running coyotes in his private ground down here, and I've never talked to him, I'll pull right in, introduce myself, give him a card. This is what happens, sir. The dogs are after this coyote. 
I wonder what you were doing. And, uh, da, 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 da. and uh, he says, well, you know, just uh, don't shoot at my house. But other than that, you're welcome to be here. That just happened this last winter. But I would say seven out of 10 times, that's what happens if you handle them right. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you in our legislature, there are the vast majority of legislators don't understand how we can expect our homes to be able to run across somebody's land, somebody else's private land. So we have to be very, uh, very careful of that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Clay Newcomb, um, he's actually coming over here. Uh, the end of this month, he's going to come over and we're going to sit down with him. And uh, I think we're going to try and do a, a podcast with, with, he's going to show, he's a, He's a professional. Pod- you can't see me use my fingers, but I'm like doing the quotes. He's a professional podcaster, and maybe he can show us what to do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe he can school. show us what to do. We gotta go to school. Hopefully, he'll teach I, us. I talk to him frequently, and we converse on, uh, you know, texts and talk. And he's a wonderful fella. He's a good spokesman for the hound, houndsman. I know that, and hunting in general. But it's only by senility that prevented me from saying his name. I was calling him our bear specialist name, Cody Norton here. <laughs> How can you forget a voice like that? He's got like a smooth talking voice. Oh, isn't, isn't he great? Uh, yeah. When he first made the video, he said, we want you to talk more. He goes, really? And we said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Your narration of this makes this video. And he said, well, my wife didn't think so. Uh, apparently he hadn't made that many videos by that time. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. So he read it. That's perfect. That's just perfect. And yeah. uh, I thought he did a fantastic job. He's really, and I don't know what the word is, but he like he does a lot of thinking, and, and uh, at least on his podcast. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I want to use, I don't know what else word to use, but romantic. You know, he romanticizes. He's a renaissance man. man. A rena- yeah, he's got a way of words. And I don't have that gift. I'm I'm just going straight to the. Ch- oh, he five. does have that way. Over. He's got a vocabulary. Yeah, that's like the million yeah. dollar words roll out of Clay's mouth. <laughs> the uh, and he certainly has a knack for doing that, and and a, a flair for a phrase. That man can turn a phrase. You know, he he's good. Oh, yeah. he's good. Yeah, no. So I'm excited to to meet him in and person. And he's a nice fella too. He is. I met him at your guys's uh cuz that was the year you guys presented that video that he did and he was out there. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'd met him and so I I got to visit a little bit with him in person there, but he has really and I I'm sure I have too. Um but he is really um I use the word mature, but you know I mean in his business in in what he's doing. And oh, I told yeah. him this last week. I said, you've really, yeah. you've grown. You know, he's really grown and, and found his niche. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. His deal. And, exactly. Uh, so I'm excited for him and to come out. he's damn good at what he's doing. Exactly. You know, we, we, we sponsored him way in the beginning. And sponsors are tough. I mean, we, we've sponsored a lot of things. And and everybody has this. this I was just looking at my Bear Hunters magazine last night and saw your yeah. ad in there. We're back on with him because – and I had in, in, in all honesty, you know, before we, we sponsored him in the beginning in 13 and 14, I think. And, and I just told him, you know, and, he, and I think he was, you know, I use the word mature, but I'm not meaning that to be, you know, derogatory, but he had this dream of that magazine and it's a, 
it's a tough road to hoe. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Anything in this deal, and I, and yeah. I say that in the beginning, it's a tough row to hoe, and I'm I'm willing to help you, only so far, you know. And so there was a point where I was like, Clay, it just doesn't move the needle, you know what I mean? That that print ad, yeah, he wants to live and die by, is 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 just not the way that we see performance on advertisers and sponsors, and. Anyways, so we had to part ways and there was nothing, it was amicable. You know, I just told him, I said, I just can't justify it. I can't afford it, blah, blah, blah. And anyways, I started looking and I was like the last year or two, I'm like, man, Clay's got his groove on. I mean, he is, he is working. And, and I, I, you know, I I just told him, I said, you know, I I sent him a- He's guarding the gate. Exactly. I said, you know, I, I sent him an email and just said, man, you're doing awesome. You know what I mean? Like whatever you're doing, you know, from a person to a person or a houndsman to a, another hunter, I was like, just keep doing that. Whether I sponsor him or not, that wasn't the point. Point was me. It was just acknowledging that five years ago, I was like, it doesn't work, you know, and, and, and he was um, committed enough to make his dream, I want to say come true, but hopefully, you know, and, and, and I can respect that I was wrong, you know, and he was, he, he, he followed through and he stayed with it. So that was, that was cool. And so I'm excited to see Clay. He blazed a trail. Yeah, you know, no. in a dying, he, dying um, publication. You know, print publications nowadays are almost irrelevant. You know, and he's yeah. made his way. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Well, he. I'm concerned about preserving our rights across the nation to hunt with dogs and hounds in particular, and uh, he certainly is a good spokesman in that light. Yes. Yes, he is. I'm like I said. Hopefully, we'll have a good prop. You know, maybe he can teach me and Jason how to talk. Yeah, we're gonna have a <laughs> vocabulary class and a issued thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a minute. Let me look at them thesaurus, page thirty-three. <laughs> <laughs> you can feel what that what that word is. Um. Anyways, so if anybody listening, Bear Hunter Magazine podcast that youtube video go go find clay if you don't if you don't know what we're talking about and watch some of his videos he did one for michigan uh what do you call what what do you call that dvd mike you remember uh defending the traditions or something heritage or something like yeah defending traditions yeah yeah look youtube defending traditions or something you'll find it on youtube watch that video yeah that was one of his he's gotten better honestly i i I think if he did, and I thought that was a, I thought that represented us well. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe yeah. we can get a link in that, the uh, the episode notes for this, so if people yeah, want to go that. back and check the description. You know, we'll we'll try to get a link in yeah. there for him. Yeah, that'd be good. By, by his magazine. All right, Mike, we got to wrap this up, but we want to hear. We, you we certainly like, do. We got to hear a train wreck. You got to you got to give us a train wreck. It, your life hasn't always been good. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. A train wreck with dogs or just a train wreck in general? <laughs> oh, Whatever you want. I don't like to talk about them train wrecks with dogs. I always preach, we don't want to talk about our dogs getting hurt. We don't want to talk about our dogs catching anything. We, we just, we don't want to talk about those kind of train wrecks right. at all. I just, uh, you I got don't any, know. What about your, your bruised ego? You got any with a bruised ego in it? Oh my lord! I, I, it isn't even going to have anything to do with dogs. My ego was bruised when I was coaching football. 
we were supposed to not even come close to beating this rival team. And with three seconds left in the game, fourth and 40 to go from their own two-yard line, and this this writer said, uh, because i got to give you this, the whole thing in me. I'm not just a hound guy. You know, I've been a coach all my life. Anyway, this guy had ripped us in a paper that we didn't have a chance and we we're going to lose by 40. And uh, and it was fourth and 40. And they had to go 98 yards to score. Clock was going to run out on this play. And we were leading by three points. And I walked by that reporter on the sideline. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll kiss you behind on the 50-yard line of the Rose Bowl if we don't win this game, buddy. And I'll be God darn. They threw a pass out to the side. They laddled off to another guy. He handed off to another guy. They went 98 yards, scored, and won the game. He just come back and said, pucker up, coach. (laughs) I got to pucker up. That was one of the the lowest moments I ever had in my coaching experience. Uh, You know, there's things with dogs. You'll you'll be telling about a dog and hoping for it. I'm not sure. Do you care if I let him go with your dog? He'll hit the track and go backwards. There's all kinds of little things like that. But you got to understand, those are dogs. It's not like kissing a guy's ass on the 50-yard line. <laughs> no, no, no. It's nothing like that. They're dogs. And and there's a lot of men, and you know, you know men that are, that their dogs are how they see themselves. Mm. Their reputation, their life is how their dogs are. And I always said, man, if that dog screws up out there, that's his problem. Not me. I'm sitting here in the truck. And I uh, uh, I don't know. I I, I think you got to be careful about your identity being too linked to, to your dog's performance. Just if it's, if the dog makes you happy, and, and that's what's important. Don't make any difference. It's black, white, green, white, anything. Doesn't make any difference. If when you let that dog go, it makes you happy and you want to feed it, then that's the dog for you. And and nobody else should be ripping on you, hooting on you or anything for that. I just want to put that message out there. That's actually be walker reason. guys. Yeah, that's a really uh, good message. Up. You know, and, and I one that I even when we when we try and think about people to to have on the show, that is a question. And, or even for me with, with, you know, taking dogs from somebody, you know, I, I don't breed my own dogs. And so one of the, the biggest questions I have is how is their ego? And I don't mean this in a negative way. Everybody has an ego, but I don't want a dog from somebody that's going to put the pressure of themselves on that dog. It's like that dog may make right. it. It may not make it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to judge you any different. You know what I mean? And, that scares me more than anything. Guys, like, oh, it's gonna be the best dog you ever had, and I'm like, well, I probably don't want it. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to know right. that. Guy. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I don't go around and hunt with a lot of groups. I got a family, the DeLong family, and there's several hangers on there. Might be eight, ten trucks, and uh, they are wonderful like that. They aren't. There's some groups that. Whoever's running the girl, you can't let the dog go, or you can't put a dog out yet, or don't let that dog go. These guys don't care. They, yeah. If their dogs goof up, they goof up. If yours goofs up, it goofs up. And they're, they're just there for, they're hunters. They're way hard hunters. I mean, way hard hunters. 
And uh, they, uh, what I mean by hard honors is they'll be out there before daylight. And if they don't find a the track, they're still out there a half hour before dark looking. You know, they just, most guys, by noon, we're done. And, uh, they're, but they're really good guys. And some young man will show up with a dog that can't even run down the road right. And uh, uh, they'll never question it or mouth off or have a comment about it. And I don't go around. I think my dogs make me happy. They can cold trail game. If it's 27 below or 87 degrees in the summer, they can cold trail on snow. They can cold trail on ground. They can put their head up in the air and run the wind. And that's just what makes me happy. If nobody nobody else likes them, it doesn't make much of a difference to me. You know? Yeah. So they, they, they perform the way I want them to perform. And I've kept that family, like I said, for 45 years. And uh, some guys take them. I've given them some, and they didn't do well with them. I, I don't know. I guess a lot of it is I'll just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so you do that very often. It is important for our town guys to, to to band together, not find a reason that oh he's got a black and tan and he's got a walker and his dog isn't worth a crap and and. It, it, that is going to be the death knell for us. We have to band together mm-hmm. and be brothers in arms because we're in a fight. And I think there's a lot of hunters around the country that don't understand that how much of a life and death struggle we are in. And they can poo-poo all that they want, but I see it. I'm tied into every piece of legislation. We just beat one here a little bit ago, and I know you got to wrap it up, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you this. You couldn't keep a dog outside if for more than 15 minutes, if it was below 40 or above 80, your dog had to live, uh, couldn't live on a chain. Had, but if you put it outside for any length of time, it had to have a, a, a house built to their specifications. And, and this was going to be statewide. It just went on and on. Mm-hmm. Other stuff about your dog and how it was kept. Well, how's the sled dog guy going to keep his dogs in the house? How's, how am I keeping 10 hounds in the house? Those people are not stupid. Everybody says, oh, they're stupid. No, they throw roadblocks up to stop people like us. They're forever trying to stop and limit how you can breed. And we've stopped three times that you can't have uh, a dog that isn't spayed or neutered in the state of Michigan because they know guys like we, like us, we make our own dogs. And they won't say you can't hunt your dog on mountain lions. They'll keep you from being able to, keep a, a pack of dogs or breed dogs and it's and strategic. so people you gotta everybody's gotta understand i'm not embellishing or bulls crapping or nothing here the the fight is at the door and if you don't see it you're gonna lose it before you know it even has started so get involved join a group that's i guess that's it i'm sorry you got your soapbox i'm a hard guy to have a podcast with <laughs> that's all right man we need guys like you and and uh i think it's important like it it really uh we have to we have to enjoy our dogs but we also we need to have people step up and if you can't if you're not the public speaker then then join a group and and you know go to one of these raffles and you know try to buy a, a raffle yeah. ticket to win a gun or 
or whatever it is, but do something. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You got to do something. I know we've been on here way long, but I just want to make one more little comment on that. Phone calls, phone calls, emails. They can just, they don't have to answer them. They can just delete them. They can do what they want. Letters are okay. Phone calls. If, if let's say, buddy, you got an issue out there. If you can get a hundred phone calls into your DNR or into a couple legislators. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't be afraid to call. You're going to talk to some little intern. Nobody's going to argue with you. And you just call up and say, House Bill number 342. Uh, I'm very much opposed to that. And, and I'd just like to go on record and have you tell Representative Smith that I called and this is my name and I'm opposed to it. That's as simple as that. Everybody thinks they're going to have to argue and defend. That's never going to happen. But when you tie up an office, if you can get 40, 50 phone calls a day, oh my goodness. I've had them on more, and Joe Hudson will tell you that. A lot of people probably don't know Joe, but I know Buddy does. Uh, you tie up an office for a day where they can't use their phones and they're yelling uncle in a hurry. They yeah. get the message. So if somebody calls you, Buddy says, what, one Go thing ahead. that, that, uh, and I'll, I'll credit you. And, and so this was something I, I learned, uh, at Michigan, I was having breakfast and I don't know if it was a representative there, but you know, uh, it was, it was sitting there having breakfast after the Michigan, uh, Michigan bear hunters association. And, and it was, it was a Senator representative, whatever you guys had there. I don't remember, but we we're having breakfast Yeah, and we we're just BSing. And, uh, that legislator, he, you know, and he, he gave a presentation he said, you know what? I don't, what I don't forget. I never forget my first check. He said, if you can ever be one of those guys oh, yeah. first check. And so this is, this is advice for anybody that's listening that wants it, you know, and I remember seeing this, I, I don't know how I seen it on Facebook or something. I seen um, my, my representative here, his name was Larry Hoff. And, and I seen that he announced his, his, his uh, run for my district. And I just sent him a Facebook message. I said, Hey, Larry, I'd like to sit down and tell you what I'm passionate about. And I mean, he was brand new and, and he, we sat down there and I, I think yeah. I had a hundred, hundred dollar, 150. It wasn't a huge check, but I just said, I, I'm not going to hand a person a check that I can't shake their hand. And maybe you can't shake hands now today, but <laughs> anyways, I was just like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to cut a check with somebody I haven't met. And I sat down and looked at them eye to eye. And uh, anyways, it was that piece of advice I got from Michigan that was just like, and, and to this day, and I told Larry, I told flat up there. I, I told him the stuff. Like you said, you want to be honest? I was honest. I was like, Larry, this is what I heard. I heard you never forget your first check and I want to be your first check. And, and I was, and I was like, I, you know, and, and to this day I can he walk still in. shows up at our barbecues. <laughs> yeah. He'll come to my barbecue. I mean, I can walk into his office and be like, Hey Larry, he's like, buddy. Yeah. And he doesn't know that you have to have that personal relationship not with everybody in the legislature, but with your natural resources committee, maybe your department of agriculture, you, you have to be friends with them people. When you walk into their office, they got to be, Hey, hi buddy. How you doing today? What's happening? You been on yeah. not. And your name is sir. It's really important that they know who you are. Yeah. Really yeah. important. And so I that get was the opportunity to address all the, you're right though. 
we we are we live by that here. Duster Winkle there, the Mission Bear Hunters, they donate a lot of money. We donate a, a pretty fair chunk ourselves, and Joe does. And uh, it's important. It's just that's the way the game is played. You got to help them get elected, and they don't forget forget you. You don't. That doesn't mean they're going to agree with you on everything. Yeah, and I was just going to say he's not the legislator that's on the Natural Resource Committee, or you know, I mean, he's not. He's into business and and you know, but he's he, he's actually a hunter, so he he's a bird hunter, you know. But so we can relate on that, and and so well, he, he's not always the guy that I need, but he can introduce me to somebody. He can get you there. Yeah, he'll he'll be like, let me let me call so and so. I'll tell you where you need them when they go behind doors in caucus. And they're discussing what they're going to do, how the party's going to do on that. That man can be a very strong voice for you in caucus. Yeah. And most people don't even understand that. Uh, things, most things happen under party lines. And uh, you make a friend, and that friend will help you in caucus, I'll guarantee you. Yeah. And after, after my, my Michigan trip, um, I came back after seeing what you guys are doing and talking to those guys. And I made it a point and, and I know and, and have a relationship that they know me by name with all, both of my representatives and my Senator. And it it there has you been go. invaluable to be able to just. Exactly. Do they really know your name or do they just call you buddy? Like Mike calls me all the time. <laughs> and then yeah, he's got to apologize. I call everybody buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Every I time guess. he goes to hang up, he says, all right, talk to you later, buddy. Wait. <laughs> And and as senile as I am, I'm not confusing that that's buddy. I just that's what I call all my friends. Right. Okay, buddy. <laughs> I get that a lot. I was at the gas station the other day and it's like, hey buddy. I'm like, God, do you really know my name or How you do just... they know you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh well. Well, you're doing a fabulous job out there, guys. Hey, you guys are doing I good. Appreciate and... all you do and all you support and, and keep up the good work. Well, we're glad to have you on here. We'll have to do it again. Um, we're trying to our th this deal. Like I said, we got a little political here, but we have to. I mean, we 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 absolutely have to. Um, you know, we want to talk about dogs, but at the same time, if we want to be able to talk about dogs in twenty years, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not going to be able to talk about dogs in twenty years if we're not careful. Mm -hmm. No, well, I just I've been at this for a while, and I know how it works. You know. And uh, I'd like to pass that message out there to people to get involved. You can't just sit back and say, there ain't nobody going to stop me from running home. The hell yeah. there isn't. So just, we got to fight. You've interrupted our ending like three or four times. Is there anything else you want to? I'm no good. <laughs> You're no good. You can erase all of it you want. I don't even care. <laughs> Uh, no erasing, Mike. What we got is what we got. So it's been good, Mike. We'll talk to you soon and have a good, good, uh, good after. I guess it's evening now. Go, go, go catch a bear. Good luck on Saturday. I, I believe I'll put one up a tree on Saturday morning. I'm predicting six o'clock. That's what I'm calling for. So well, let us know how you do. Okay. I'll be thanks right. to you, gentlemen. All right. Have Thanks, Mike. You have a good day, boy. Bye-bye.